Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your silently walking towards you at all times host, Javi. And uh, I think before we start, I have to apologize. I am fighting something this week, and my voice is going to sound less than stellar for this whole episode. Yeah, he's fighting something, all right. Me. Excuse me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this week we're talking about It Follows, which is a movie that I've been waiting to get to all month. It Follows, more like Shit Follows. Nah. Come on. No. I've been thinking about that one all day. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was sitting at work, and I'm like, what's a good pun I can do with this? And then, like, I texted you, tit follows. Yeah. And then was... I said, lip follows. Neither of them got a reaction. I thought shit follows was going to be good. Well, none of those are going to get a reaction out of me. I don't know. Tit follows is pretty good. <laughs> I giggled a little bit. Uh, this movie is from 2014. Uh, is directed by David Robert Mitchell, I believe is the, is the filmmaker's name. Way back in 2014. <laughs> a simpler time. And uh, I think right off the bat, before we start talking about this, I'm going to make my intention on this episode very clear. This is my favorite horror movie of the 2010s. Angel's going to make his intention very clear. He is going to fillet this movie pretty hard. <laughs> Um, so, what was your experience watching this film? So, I didn't watch this movie until 2015, and uh, it was a podcast that I used to listen to that alerted me to the existence of this film, and I could not, when I first saw it, you know, I was expecting not to like it, because when I heard the premise of the film, it felt like, okay, God, this is going to be about STDs, it's going to be something that's super preachy and stuff. And it turns out that now that we kind of go over this today, I have a very different reading of this movie now than I did when I first saw it years ago. You know what? I agree with that. Because when you watch it the first time around, you're like, this is very clearly about sexual health. Yeah. But, you know, it's a little bit more than just that. And it was actually really interesting to watch it when I saw it a couple years ago, maybe four or five. Yeah. Maybe about four years ago to when I watched it now. Uh, being in my mid-twenties as opposed to late-twenties. Yeah, you just see this movie through a different lens. Especially since in this movie, everyone's in their late-teens, early-twenties, I think? Yeah, I read somewhere that I guess the age that they're supposed to be is Jay, our main character, is supposed to be like in her first year of community college. While a lot of her friends are still in their last year of high school. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And then she's... Dating like a 21 year old and then go through a big deal making him super 21 years old. <laughs> but in classic, like, you know, teen movies, that nobody, nobody's in their actual teens. <laughs> um, fun fact about this movie the kid from Atypical is one of the main characters. I believe his name is. I clicked on the wrong thing. Go ahead, continue. I'll find his name later. <laughs> uh, right off the bat, I really want to say that I. I've heard that the director kind of pushes back a little bit again uh, when this film has been compared to John Carpenter, but I will be totally honest watching this, even when I saw it a few years ago to where I wa- when I watched it just now for this episode, um, to me, I feel like this is maybe the closest thing we'll ever get to a remake of Halloween than even the Halloween sequels will be. What? 
I'm not kidding. So everything in here screams John Carpenter's Halloween to me, and that's why I like it so much. From the fact that you're looking at streets, like you're looking at these big, like long shots of streets. The camera follows the characters as they're walking around. Watch the watch the scenes where Jay and her friends are like walking down the sidewalk, and how the camera is just like slowly moving backwards, and you're watching them from the front. It, it's I swear to God, it's like you could easily just see Michael Myers like popping up from a bush, like in the way that this film is shot. No, instead you see naked old people, <laughs> the naked other, old white people. I think the other thing too is, I, and I'm not talking about like in terms of the storyline. I'm talking about strictly. In terms of style. Oh yeah, and style. Like even Halloween sequels have not been able to capture certain aspects of this. And I'll say besides the shots and how the camera follows the characters as they walk. One of the simplest things that Halloween does and why I love it so much. And why Michael Myers was so effective in that original film. Is that he wasn't really the focus of a lot of shots where, where things were happening. You know, like there were plenty of shots in the film where other characters, you know, where Laurie and her friends were talking to each other and he was off in the distance somewhere where the characters don't even notice what's happening. And that's kind of like the main tenet of this movie monster is that nobody but the main character can see it. See it. The other one is uh, just well before. Before we get too far off, one thing I got to say, and like I am completely on the other side of the spectrum on that. In that I, I kind of, after a while, the pans and the, some of the shots they were doing, it felt kind of masturbatory. Like, it felt like they were like, oh my god, this is going to look so fucking good. And they keep doing, like, these weird, like, the the wide pans and try to keep everything in a single shot, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but that's spoiler cool. Spoiler alert, it works. It works the first three times, not the next 17. It works throughout the entire film. Okay. Uh, agree to disagree, mister, <laughs> even if you are wrong. And, it, you know, you do get tired of seeing the constant zoom-ins and zoom-outs. All right. Let's, so let's go ahead and get into the film now. Oh, no, wait. You wanted to say something about the music before I, you know, derailed you. No, just that the music is something that reminds me of a John Carpenter movie, too. I, yeah, I agree with that. Synth score. It's very much, it was very synthy, almost too synthy. <laughs> but I think that was purposeful, right? Like, that is... And some people have even tried to compare this to something like Kubrick, and that I don't see. Actually, not to be, con- like, just constantly against you and telling no, you you're wrong and fine. stupid. Well, that's the point of us both being on this episode, right? Yeah, the point of one of us being wrong. This is almost like Primer for our Last Jedi episode, which is coming next month oh, already. Oh god, I can't wait to fucking shit on you and tell you how wrong you are about that one. No, I can. I definitely see more John Carpenter in this movie because of a lot of those shots, like you were saying, outside. Uh, like especially when Jay and her friends are walking around, but also like those long panning hallway shots where it looks almost endless is very Kubrickian. A word I learned from Get Him to the Greek. I, if you remember that movie. Yes. I've seen it. You bet. Fuck you. First <laughs> of all. <laughs> uh, so the film kicks off with the by introducing us to the main character, Jay. Well, before that. There was oh, the right. random girl. Alright, so the movie actually begins with, uh, like, you know, a camera, like, static, laid static on the street. And you're watching a girl that's running out of her home. Yep, don't know where she's running from. She's running, like, just just running around. She runs across the street. 
There's a neighbor that asks her if she's okay, and she says everything is fine. You can clearly tell that she's trying to get away from something. <laughs> Bitch be lying, because clearly <laughs> she is not fine. But the neighbors just don't care enough to really, like... <laughs> eh, she'll be alright. <laughs> she'll walk <laughs> off. Um, then she runs back to the other side of the street. She gets into her car and tries to drive away from something. Um, and she, I think her dad even comes out. But yeah, like the whole point of this is that... Um, yeah, her dad comes out and asks And then she's like, shut up, Dad. I'm fine. <laughs> and she drives all the way out to a beach. And then while she's, you know, when she, while she's sitting on the beach, she's leaving a voicemail to her dad where she's kind of apologizing to him for being terrible or whatever. And, um, you know, you can clearly tell that she's kind of resigning to something. Uh, and then next, all of a sudden, you... S- Flash cut from nighttime to daytime, and her leg is bent completely outward. It was like, that's not how legs bend. It's like <laughs> 90 degrees, but the exact opposite direction. It was and a very gory, uh, sudden, like, just cut. And I think that's the one thing where if you probably could make the comparison to Kubrick, it's almost like the shot in The Shining where you see Jack Nicholson running in the snowstorm out in the maze, mm-hmm. and then it just, like, flash cuts to, like, him, like, frozen yeah, in the snow. Yeah, and him frozen, yeah. yeah. That's that's exactly what that felt like. It reminded, actually, um, what's his name? Avi Aster does something very similar in Hereditary, which is the movie I'm going to champion this year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, with the with the sudden twists, I don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil shit. But, yeah, you, you guys have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And roll credits, that's the end of the film. Our main character died. Don't go have sex, kids. <laughs> bang, bang. Uh, this does kind of, I guess in that way, it kind of does do the scream thing, except obviously this person isn't a big star like Drew Barrymore. But it introduces a character that you think you might be following for the entirety of the film. And uh, she ends up dying immediately. And what it really does is actually, <clears throat> it kind of establishes the rules of this monster. Um, clearly the monster, you can run away from it. It's not moving too fast. Uh, And most importantly, nobody else can see it except for the person who the monster is attacking. Yeah. So right away, those are the two biggest rules to remember when it comes to the monster and it follows. Yeah. Um, We get introduced to our main character, Jay, from there. And um, she is kind of starting to, I guess, uh, she's dating someone, uh, this guy. Uh, I forget what he, what he calls himself. Um, Hugh. Hugh, that's right. So she's <laughs> such a stupid <laughs> fake name. Well, Jane Hugh. Like, what was his last name? Jazz? <laughs> well, this movie, like what it does, I really do like the way it dispenses information. Uh, you start off not knowing exactly how old she is. Uh, no, she's you... putting on what could be a prom dress. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And next thing you know, it turns out that she's going on a date with this guy. At at a revival theater where they're playing like an organ, <laughs> and yeah. it's just like very old school. Like it's very know. hipstery. This movie is very very hipstery. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like it, it. And but you know what that adds is that adds kind of like this element of timelessness for the movie. Yes, because like you know you got the juxtaposition of the kids using cell phones. And having modern cars while at the same time having these old 1950s looking ass neighborhoods. Yeah. And like decrepit old also 50s warehouses and factories that some of the action takes place in. And much like Halloween, they're all watching black and white movies. Yeah, yeah. Night. So it is interesting because it, it creates a certain aesthetic. It's got an atmosphere to it. And one of the things that I really love and appreciate about this movie 
is that it really makes what okay. One of the reasons why everyone really loved John Carpenter's Halloween is because Haddonfield felt like it could have been any town in the world, right? And mm-hmm. it just has a distinct feel to it that like you get transported there when you see it on film. This movie does that with this suburb outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that it's 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 close enough to the city to where you know they 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 can get to you know whatever they need to get to. So it doesn't feel like you're out in the middle of a small town, but it feels so desolate and quiet enough. And it also doesn't feel like this is where it feels really modern. Is that it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the suburbs of Poltergeist. Or something from the 80s where people would love to like live in some of these neighborhoods and these mm-hmm. are beautiful houses. These are blue collar, working class, you know, homes that are in this weird suburban neighborhood that's they're still. Not, yeah, it's not like there's crazy big houses. They're just like your weird, like they're just your standard fucking like three bedroom, four bedroom houses, two stories, like. Not that big, like somewhere all of us maybe grown up with it, grown up in at one point, you know. If you ever no, this doesn't feel like anything I've grown up in before. But one of the things that I do like about it is that it feels it. Feels, you don't think so? No, it feels very East Coast to me. Like the pool, like the the state, like the oh, the like the above ground. The, pool. You mean yeah. the above ground pool? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the above ground pool, you know, like the openness of the yards and stuff like that. Like, you know, everything feels so much more compact here on the West Coast. And I remember just flying to Florida recently and I just saw how big some of these like backyards were, like from the airplane. And they reminded me of the backyards from this film. So it transports you to a different place that you've never been to before. And it's interesting enough to look at that you just... You almost want to live in this world, but you no, don't, I don't at the same time. I super don't. <laughs> Fuck Detroit. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so they they uh, when they're on their date, I guess uh, Jay said that her and her friends like to play games. Such a stupid game. <laughs> where they look at different people. You know um, what this game was? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but this game was how do you introduce exposition without it being exposition? That's what it was to me. Well, yeah, but in some ways, I mean, no, it's it's kind been, of it, it. You look like you're saying it in a very displeased way. No, like I think it's actually a very clever way to get around without some without having hokey dialogue, and like you know, because all it is is that it's used to this game is used. It's kind of like the vehicle to to show, hey, Hugh sees the monster. Let's get the fuck out, right? Well, right. That's the part that I really like about this is that they both decide to play the game where you pick somebody and you talk about how you want to switch places with them, right? You see, that that part, I was just like, that's dumb. But whatever. Movie, right. Go ahead. But one of the things that you see that they mention at first is they see this family at a water fountain. And it's a mother, a father, and a kid, right? And when uh, Hugh is asked which one you know he'd like to be... Which one he'd like to switch places with? He mentions that it's the kid, and I think one of the things that I <clears throat> that I really do kind of think that this movie taps into a lot is kind of the regret of the passage of childhood. Like this movie really does feel like it's about people who probably had dreams about what their lives were going to be at some point, and now you're seeing them exist in like this reality that they weren't really crazy about. 
Like, he talks about how he'd just like to be a kid and not have a care in the world. And, you know, <laughs> mistakenly, he says shit all over himself. But this kid is clearly, like, in preschool, like, <laughs> grade he's school old. Age. Like, he's a fucking eight-year-old, but, like, I never shit myself. Okay, wait, hold on. I mean... And, you know, like, I mean, my wife and I have had moments like this where, where you know... Obviously, you love the life that you live in and the time that you're you know, that you're around in. But then there's always like a part of you when you have all these responsibilities that are now hanging over your head. You love to sometimes think of how like simple things were at some point. And <laughs> not me, baby. I'm living exactly <laughs> the life I want. Schlubby bastard making a fucking podcast. This is rad. <laughs> Drinking Bud Lights. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's where that's when Hugh finally does uh, point out, I guess, a woman in the in a yellow dress, which Jay doesn't see. And the moment that he notices that she has not seen this person, he immediately wants to leave the theater. Yeah, they uh, exit quickly and they run away. Um, you cut to them having dinner at a diner, and then and, oh, and while they're having dinner, that's when you see in the background uh, someone walking towards a diner mm-hmm. down the sidewalk, <clears throat> and that's what I mean about like these like moments where you know you you are seeing the monster in the background and your characters are not noticing what's happening to them. Except this movie, <laughs> I think because Halloween has a lot of POV, this movie does it to a higher degree of subtlety because it truly isn't something that like we get like we don't get the impression that it's got any humanity to it at all it really is just an entity that oh yeah you're just completely detached from it you just know it's coming and after that movie cuts to them getting lucky and doing what teenagers do in cars no they have a second date no they don't yeah what I thought she puts out on the first date. Well, right after the first date, that's when you cut to Jay and her friend uh, walking down the sidewalk, a la Halloween, where the track, where the camera is like tracking as they're walking uh, towards. Well, know, it's her sister. The, the friend group is like her sister, her sister's friend. I forget. We kind of remember their names. Yeah, yeah. It's the sister, the sister's friend, the neighbor. Um, and the they've na- all been friends. They're all basically childhood friends. All Let me just say boys. this, though. Another thing I love about this movie is that this is one of the this is one of the greatest group of friends in a horror movie that has ever existed ever. No, no. How is that? How is that? Not well, the no, case? no. You're the one presenting a stupid argument. You're the one that has to defend it. How are they the greatest friend group? Well, I'll explain as we go on into the movie, but... Okay, after this conversation, <laughs> we cut to another date uh, between Hugh and Jay, where they're finally having sex inside of his car. Now you go, Jay. <laughs> Get it, girl. Yas queen. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, like, I don't know. There's something really weird about it. It's like every single time that she's... Yeah, car sex is weird. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, just in general, like, you see someone, she seems like someone who's, I can't explain it, she's both comfortable with her sexuality and very uncomfortable with it at the same time. Yeah, like, I mean, she, she's comfortable in the sense that she knows what she wants, but I think it's, like, where she gets nervous is the actual act of doing it, of actually getting it on, and, I mean, you can chalk that, like, the thing is, she's supposed to be, what, late teens, early 20s, maybe, because mm-hmm. I think the whole, they make a big deal about making Hugh 21, right? Um, 
So I don't know. It could be one of those things they're trying to say that she, you know. I mean, in this case, in this case, obviously, obviously, she's enjoyed it. There, uh, you know, she's having that moment where she's like, you know, uh, running reflecting and reflecting and running her hands through the flower, like as she has the car door open and stuff like that. And there comes a moment where Hugh gets back into the car, and you kind of think that he's gonna just put his arm around her or. That they're just gonna like cuddle for a little bit, and then next thing you know, he pulls out a rag with chloroform, and he like. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. It is. It it's is super uncomfortable because you're like, what are you doing? Well, like, yeah. I guess is... it, it's the whole connotation of like you put her in a very vulnerable position, um, you know. But like, yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like usually chlor- chloroform is associated with sexual assault, right? Yes. But it's like at this point, it's like you already had sex. What are you like? What else is there for you to want? And yes. then, but this is still sexual assault. Yeah, like <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's funny because this character, like you know, we'll get into it a little bit later. Like he, we will see this character again. Oh yeah, he's it, a total piece of shit. And okay, so he 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 chloroforms her. She passes out. She wakes up in a wheelchair uh, where she's like taped to it. In the middle of this, like, you know, it looks like an empty car garage. Well, it's super weird because it's very worn down. Mm -hmm. It looks like a fucking exploded out car garage. Yeah, or like a building that, like, was partly demolished or something like that. I don't know. And apparently that's the nicest building in Detroit. (laughs) Hi-yo! Well, I... Yeah, there's... there's, This movie really does kind of, like... There are moments where you where you see some of the urban decay that exists in the city of Detroit. Um, so she wakes up in in this uh, in this car park and she's very disoriented, has no idea what's going on. Is obviously terrified and crying. And, and this is where Hugh explains the rules and how she what she needs to do to survive. Yeah, because like any good horror movie, you need to know the rules. Right. So the rules of this is that it's going to follow you. It's always going to walk at a slow like pace. But it will eventually get to you. Um, somebody gave it to him. What, you know, someone had sex with him and gave it to him. Now he has given it to Jay. Uh, you're also, yeah, I guess, you you're sorry. <laughs> you're also kind of left to infer that the woman that you saw die in the beginning of the movie is probably the last person that uh, that Hugh had sex with before yeah. he had sex with Jay. It's a very fair assumption. So he, you know, is someone who. You know, you introduce yourself to him and he seems really normal and all that stuff. And you don't think anything of it. And then in this scene, that's where you see that this guy has obviously been living with this for a while. You can tell, like, he drops the veil. And, like, like he... Like, the fact that he knows so much about the the monster, the entity, whatever the fuck you want to call it. The, the I'll go into later why I think it's a succubus or an incubus, depending on your gender. <laughs> or I gender identity, whatever. Who knows? But point is, um, like, yeah, you can tell he's been he's been doing this for a while. The fact that he already has the like the whole spiel down how to explain it to the next person he passed it on to, you know. Mm. And that's kind of what's terrifying about him. Why I hate him? Why yeah. I hate him? Like, don't get me wrong. I don't hate him. Like the guy was a bad actor. I just hate the the character is not a likable character. Well, no, because he he has basically ruined this person's life by bringing this on to her. Just like she didn't deserve it. <laughs> and this is the part of the movie where it's like when I first saw it, I was like, oh yeah, obviously this is just about sexual assault and STDs. And the idea is that this is a sexually transmitted demon 
that he has passed on to someone else. Oh yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> but you know, it's so he, you know, he seems to care enough that he explains the rules to her, shows her, you know, what one of the potential forms of this demon is. And uh, then next thing you know, he takes her and they drive away in his car. Mm, and and that's that, where he, like, essentially dumped her on the street, like, in her underwear. Mm-hmm. And all of her friends are sitting outside playing cards. This is a world... Again, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, again, this is another world where it's like, these kids are largely unsupervised. Uh, they all kind of seem like adults. Adult-ish. Uh, adult-ish. Uh, they're... They're, like, playing board games or some shit outside. <laughs> it feels like, essentially, a long summer. Like, none of them really go to school. Yeah. <laughs> it's point. like a bunch of 18-year-olds pretending to be 12-year-olds. <laughs> that's what it feels like. But, um, going back to the monster, one thing that Hugh does say that's really important to remember is that the creature tends to take the form of people close to the victim. Uh, sometimes people who they care about. And Hugh believes is it's one of those, like psychological things to 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 fuck with them more right and it's really interesting because that this comes up several times through the film but never to jay Mm. the demon is never someone jay knows yeah we'll get to it when we get to that part of the film but yeah at one point the demon does turn into something somebody that she knows okay uh so this is where she i guess explains to her friends what's happening um they, you know, kind they of believe her. Well, they kind of believe her, but they care enough about her to go with it right away. They call the police and they're like, "Hey, we think our friend was sexually assaulted." And These are smart horror movie characters. Okay, we have already seen the dumb horror movie characters in Scream mm-hmm. and in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So this is the inverse of that. These are smart kids with common sense. And we also saw the big manly men. Horror movie characters in the thing. (laughs) But, you know, they call the police. Uh, One of the other neighbors from across the street, what is his name? I think his name is Greg. Greg. G-Reg, yeah. (laughs) And they, uh, he he sees, you know, all the police officers and I guess his friend, some girl that he's with makes some comment about how weird those people are or whatever. And he's like, shut up, bitch. No, he doesn't actually say that. (laughs) But but he actually abandons her because the, the friends, um... Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm confusing scenes again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm confusing with the 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 next couple of nights, right? Right. Right. So yeah, at no, it all starts with the next day at school, right? Yeah. Where Jay goes to she goes to her college, Oakland University? Yes. Hey, gang gang, Oakland U. This is Oakland, Detroit, though. Shut up let me have this. <laughs> so she goes to Oakland University, which is uh, really, like, yeah, it definitely looks like your community college, and very nice community college, actually, a really cool campus, and she's sitting in what I'm assuming is, like, a literature class, and she notices somebody coming from the distance, walking towards her. Again, this is lifted directly from Halloween. And the way it, it walks past people, no one seems to react, and it starts scaring Jay, right? Yes. To the point where she leaves the class. Again, much like Laurie Strode... Much like Halloween, she's the, she seems to be the only character that can see what is, uh, you know, what has been following her. Now I'm a semi-professional slacker. 
I made a pretty good career out of it in college. Never have I ever had a professor be like, excuse me. Yeah, that seemed very high school. That was very high school. <laughs> and that adds to one of those weird things where I'm like, I, I don't know, it adds to the whole timeless thing. But at the same time, I'm like, I've never once had a professor <laughs> I be did, like, sit I your do ass recall down. that one time when I was in community college, I did like make the mistake, or, well, the stupid choice where I had the right stupid choice. <laughs> I blew off a biology class and I where because I knew we were going to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And I ended up showing up for the last 15 minutes of the class. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought I was going to come in and sneak in through the back cuz I'd been in the library before and there's like a back door where you could just kind of sneak in, right? Mhm. <laughs> I made the mistake and I opened the wrong door and it was like the front of the classroom. <laughs> You fuck that one up. <laughs> the professor like actually turns the lights on and says, "Did you just get here?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then like, "What was the point of you coming here? This movie is practically over." Oh, and I was just like, "Damn." And you're like, "But teach, I love you." <laughs> well, the worst part is that this is kind of a lab. And I was supposed to, like, get a paper filled out showing that I had been present to lab. Oh, and she you, was just like, I'm not signing that. You <laughs> dumb motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, back to Jay running from her stupid sex monster. <laughs> I was brilliant. I, was, I, are, I, I are college dropout. I, I am so smart. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, so, you know, this this what looks like an old woman in a hospital gown... Uh, goes across the courtyard of the university and is now walking down the hallway of her school. And it looks like she's wearing clogs mm-hmm. or like those diabetic socks. <laughs> and nobody can see uh, this woman except Jay because she kind of like draws attention to it and everyone looks at her like she's crazy. The coolest scene in that hallway or the coolest part of that hallway scene is when... The camera is facing Jay, going backwards as Jay's walking down the hall, right? And she walks past those girls that very clearly see her walk past, and they react when Jay walks by. Then when the old woman comes by, she walks between them, and they don't, like, flinch or react at all. And I was like, oh, that... It was a little detail. Well, that's the part where it's like, even though it kind of... I feel like even though the earlier scene with Hugh kind of alludes to the fact that only the person who's infected can see them, this, this is where you it. see it. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh shit, this is real. Like, he's not just some crazy meth man, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, she ends up running away and she meets up with her friends, right? Yes. Her friends at, like, again. Her fantastic it's friends. Just, it's just them all the time together. I need to, like, get to know all of these characters' names. I know that Paul... Ends up being the boy, you know, the other boy who's with them. He's Dat Boy. <laughs> so um, there I, is Paul, who yes. is the kid from Typical, or yes. Atypical. He's Keir Gil- Gilchrist? Gilchrist? Sure. Okay. There's Kelly, uh, played by Lily Seppi. And Kelly is her sister. That's the sister. Yeah. And then Olivia Lucardi plays the friend Yara. Yeah. What is it with the... I liked her. She was very <laughs> ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, ethnically ambiguous. But she also seemed like... I don't know. She seemed like the fun... Like the one that's probably the most fun to be around. Yeah, she did. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> no. Oh, not like that? Oh, did I misread the moment? <laughs> um... So yeah, she, she's back with her friends, and this is where they're just when they're watching the black and white movie in the living room. Yeah. So they they get home, 
And I think she asked them to all stay, right? They all, like, yeah. she asked, well, she asked um, Paul to stay the night. And Paul sleeps downstairs in case something tries to break in. And uh, Jay and her sister Kelly? Yes. It's going to take me a while to remember again, their it's an stupid army, names. It's an army of kids. It's like, if you had to deal with something... kids, though. I know, but if you had to deal with something that was so utterly hopeless... Like, wouldn't you at least feel better that you have these people around you? Like, like her Not sister and her people. friend were, they literally slept in the bed with her, kind of, like, looking out for her. Paul is literally downstairs watching her. It's just like you have this, like, kind of blanket of warmth around you that's keeping you from whatever the monster is that's trying to eat you. Me and the homies fighting monsters. <laughs> that is exactly what this is. It's a ways. me and the homies meme. <laughs> the movie. So, there, you know, there's this window breaks, which wakes everyone up in the house. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, Paul goes and checks it out. And when he says nobody's there... Uh, Jay goes and sees it, and she sees this young woman looking. Well, this is very. This is the John Carpenter part of this, right? Is that she is walking in, and everything is very quiet, and you know that it's building to scare that's coming up. But and again, no music. Like that's what's really interesting about it. There's no real music to kind of signal, hey, you should start freaking out now. Not when you see what you're supposed to see, but the moment that you see. The oh yeah, once you see demon. the it, yeah, yeah, you see the girl demon, and then you see her peeing all over the floor, and as that's happening, that's where you hear like a violin like screech. That, we like, made <laughs> we made the mistake of watching Scary Movie two a week ago. <laughs> it was like downtime after recording the thing. I no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was like we were, we had some downtime, so we you know we wa- rewatched it. And as you all know, there's that classic scene of not Reagan peeing in front of, <laughs> of all the folks, right? That's all I could think about. Not even the Exorcist scene, like the that's gonna be more scary. appropriate for our next episode. Yeah, well, you know what? Don't pick movies where there's females peeing on themselves. Okay, <laughs> what? All right, so. <laughs> This is also where you start to realize that, you know, obviously, much like you said, it's going to take a different shape every single time that she sees it. So every time she runs away to another room and it follows her, it looks completely different. Yep. Um, They get up to, they lock themselves in Jay's room and then they hear a knocking. And when they open it, it's actually Yada, right? And so uh, awesome misdirect because you expect it to be the monster. But. Out of the back corner of the fucking hallway, you see this tall, dark, no eyes having motherfucker. Best, the best scare in this movie. Oh, totally. the first time I saw this, I watched it by myself, and that was the moment that absolutely scared the shit out of me I when almost, I first watched it. I almost dropped my hot pocket. <laughs> like it was it actually got me. And Again, I, I don't just like I don't just love this movie because it's so expertly made mm. and it's so stylistically fantastic. It's also because this scene legitimately scared me. Okay, put your boner away. Like <laughs> they can hear it, and it's like it was. It was. It got me the first time I saw it a couple years ago. It got me last night when I rewatched this film for the, this episode. It was a really good scare, very well done. Yeah. It also. Um, I mean, it also. I think helps that the fact that it just it's someone who is so ridiculously tall that it's coming out of the darkness. <laughs> if you ever watched. Um, ha- uh, Haunting the Hill House. The creepiest thing to me is still the tall man. 
And you know what? It, 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 I mean, yeah, bent neck lady was creepy, but something about the tall man, something about someone being so disproportionately large, yeah. or you know what a normal human looks like. Well, and how for about it to be different? How about this? Obviously, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I had a friend of mine who introduced me to uh, you know the YouTube channel Marble Hornets, and oh. that was a. Huh? It's essentially like a kind of filmmaking web series uh-huh. uh, that was all pieced together about these friends that were like going through uh, another friend of theirs like tapes. Like they were filming, they were making a film called Marble Hornets, and the filmmaker either disappears or kills himself. I don't remember which one it is, but the entire uh, video series is essentially the friends uh, going through his uh, video collection. And there are several of these YouTube videos where you're watching supposedly some of the footage that he shot. Mm-hmm. And you find out that this guy is absolutely petrified by something that's following him. And you don't really know what it is until you see a, a few of the videos where it's actually the Slender Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The origin like, of the Slender Man. Yeah, well, yeah like it, it was one of the first Slender Man things out there like in the web, right? And Thank you, creepypasta, for giving us that. <laughs> uh, and that's 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 exactly what you know what that kind of like makes me think of. Makes you think of the Slendermans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jay runs out of the house, and uh, Greg is still across the street, kind of watching her. Oh and well, this is where he sees Jay like hop on the bicycle. Doesn't she jump out the window? She doesn't jump out the... I mean, yes, she gets, she goes out the window, but you see from the scene earlier where the kids are spying on her, that you can climb oh, down yeah. the window. Those it's, creepy neighbor kids. Dude, that like are, it's that crazy are, how much people are obsessed with, like, Jay's sexuality, because I totally forgot about those creepy neighbor kids yeah. that are always, like, checking her out. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's one of those weird things where it's, like, she's very quiet about the fact that she's being objectified by everyone. Even Paul is objectifying her. Which one's Paul? Oh, that's right. Now I remember. <laughs> Sorry, they all look and sound alike. <laughs> yeah, it's all these weird, creepy white kids. What am I going to tell you? <laughs> so she takes, she takes what looks like a child's bicycle uh, all, the way, all the way near my park. <laughs> Where she's like essentially sitting on the swings in the dark by herself. Because of course there's a fucking park. There's always a park in the suburbs. Now, you tell me. If you had something that was chasing after you, would you go to the absolutely, like, most deserted, dark place you could find at night? Well, I mean, technically, the only reason it was a good idea is because it's wide-ass open and she can see when it's coming up next to her. But, no, that was fucking stupid. (laughs) But, no, it's frightening because she'll immediately see when it's coming right after her. And then pick a direction. Like, just start running. Yeah. Which way do you want to die is essentially what it is. You know what? Like, swing sets? Swing sets at night are creepy. Alright? Like, it's so stupid. Like, ever since our cousin told us that story that he saw, like, a ghost at a park. Which I'm pretty sure he's fucking with us. But there's still that little part of my head that makes me think he's real. What? (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you about it off, off... you know, off channel, nah, but... you don't have to say my cousin's name, but can you please tell me what the story is? Yeah, okay, so he had a cousin that he said he left, uh, you know, who just recently became a father, so that way you know which cousin we're talking about, our big 49er cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so he was talking about how he would, like, run away from home, sorry for blowing up his spine, <laughs> and he, like, went running with hell of people to, I forgot what park, in our undisclosed hometown at the time. <laughs> 
And that he was like riding on a swing, and that like he saw like some woman dressed in black, and she's like, "I feel oh, so yeah. alive." Yeah, that's right. And then he like closed his eyes, and when he opened them, she was gone. And I was like, "She was gonna molest you, dog." <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. So ever since that, I think ever since I heard that story when I was a kid, I'm always like, "Yep, nighttime swings, fuck that shit." <laughs> That's no. so creepy. Nine ten swings are always a no go, no matter what. <laughs> That's gonna be a no for me, dog. <laughs> uh, but you know, thankfully, all of her friends end up coming up to her, as well as Greg. Are who the fuck would find this guy either attractive? sexually attractive or like? Engaging at all. Mmm, that sweet, sweet mullet. <laughs> oh, yeah, his jean jacket. It's so hot. <laughs> oh, man. 90s me loves it. Oh, oh I'm, I'm getting the stirrings in my loins. <laughs> but this is where Greg essentially starts to join their ragtag group of friends. I know, this is like the cool kid that joins them. It's like when... Uh, when Ryan Lambert's character joins the Monster Squad, he's like, Sup, nerds? I'll help you fight vampires. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially like the character who's too cool for all of them, uh, who doesn't really believe in what is following Jay at all. Mm-hmm. But at least he... I'll put it to you this way. This guy at least is... Uh, He's proactive. He actually, like, helps them. Right. Because I think after Greg joins them, they That's go... That's where they go to Greg's family's vacation house. Well, no, I think it might have been right before this scene or right after, but they find out um, that uh, Hugh lied about his name. Oh, right. Yes. And they find out that he went to a local high school, and his real name is Jeff Redmond. And when they go to talk to Jeff, they actually... They, they meet his mom... Who you find out was the was the woman walking towards them when they were at the weird like de- deserted pla- uh, packing plant, right? Yeah, that's true. Yep. So they confront Jeff as a group, and he pretty much tells them, "Hey, you know this thing is real. It's coming after us." He goes, "It's going to come after you. The best thing you can do is just pass it on to somebody else." Yeah. But- I, the, the the great gag that they do in here is while they're all like sitting crisscross applesauce like in the backyard, yeah. like, like again. Like kids at summer camp, and all telling, you know, and uh, Jeff is telling them about what this thing is. That's where, in the distance, you know, because this is some sort of weird yard where, like, it's in the middle of all these other yards. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> again, That's like a weird white I saw, people. <laughs> again, I saw. Like areas in Florida when I was in an airplane where like that's what some of these yards look like. So it's just a fence to block off your area and then it's like a common area? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking weird. <laughs> I'm not um, used to that. But yeah, it's like a giant field and they're all like sitting in the grass and in the distance this girl with the soccer ball is coming up to them and then Jeff just says, do you see her? Do you guys see her? Do you guys see her? And then like that's when everyone turns around like, like yes, yeah, stupid. And then that's when like she just walked by them. I wanted her to throw that ball at Jeff and be like, fuck you. <laughs> so um, after that, they decide to go to Greg's lake house or Greg's family's lake house. Um, and yeah, you know what? They actually have a moment where they get to be kids again. Yes. Quote unquote kids. You know, they go swimming. They're hanging out. They're having fun. And for Shooting a bit, guns. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. This is Michigan. Drinking and shooting and loving every day. <laughs> and this seems, again, this is like the part where I'm just like, yeah, it's like these characters care about her because they have essentially like 
done all of this to keep her safe. Mm-hmm. And they all, like, you know, like, they all seem like, again, they're enjoying themselves. And it feels like it's taking them back to a younger point in their lives. Like, they reminisce a lot when they're mm-hmm. together about, like, how things used to be when they were kids. Yep. And then this leads to one of the coolest confrontations. Yes. Where you see Yada walking towards the group. But the real Yada is out in the... In the water. Out in the water. She's, like, swimming. And then Yada's walking over to the group. And while Jay... Well, no. Had, you see her walking towards the group. And then it cuts to Yada in the water. And then it cuts back to the other friends there. And nobody is there. And then all of a sudden, that's where you see a ghost hand lift up Jay's hair. And then it's just standing on end. And she's like, like very paranormal activity of them. And it starts like yanking her up. And then Paul like swings a beach chair at it. And then it like like, breaks. Yeah, and then it Bruce Lee Kung Fu kicks him. (laughs) Which we assume. (laughs) Yeah, like it looked like that. It looked like that Charlie Murphy's true Hollywood story. Fine, dude. (laughs) I just love picturing like Dave Chappelle's Rick James like flying (gasps) backwards. Hair extensions flying all over the place. So eventually, what's her face? Uh, Jay manages to she she fights free and she ends up running towards the garage, and her friends start running with her, and Greg realizes something's wrong and he starts chasing after him. So Jay immediately goes and grabs the gun, and what reminds me of that new like popular Danny DeVito meme. So anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> she grabs a gun and just starts shooting wildly because she can't aim. Yeah. Meanwhile, she almost shoots her friends a couple times. They end up, like, closing the door out. And like Angel was saying, the monster changes shape one more time. Um, After it breaks the door, it turns into this little boy. Yes. And it starts chasing her. She manages to cut through uh, around the side of the garage where it changes again into a little girl. And then that's where she hops into Greg's car and drives away somewhere else. Oh, yeah, that pussy wagon. The (laughs) the fucking, (laughs) like station wagon he's driving yeah so she ends up crashing the car and she breaks her arm yep and she gets taken to the hospital so this is where a lot of stuff starts happening all at once right yeah we can just go through it through it basically really quickly so this is where jay like agrees to have sex with greg they have sex in the hospital. Super awkward. <laughs> yeah. But again, this is now... The, like, what I noticed about this is that this is now the point where sex is not in, out at all in any way enjoyable for Jay. Nah, she's just doing it Like, to do she it. is just resigned to... Okay, well, I guess we're gonna do this now. Yeah. And, um... So she, you know, she has sex with Greg... Uh, she asks him if he feels any different or if anything's happened, and he essentially says no. It cuts to him either at the university or like in a cafeteria at the hospital where he's around all these other girls, and he, he just seems to be like laughing, having a good time. And that's when he comes back to jail all of a sudden. <laughs> like I thought, it literally to me, I thought he just wanted to hit it and quit it, and he was around and, these other girls. And then all of a sudden, he comes back and he's holding hands with Jay again. I'm just like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe you're getting. But you know, it's one of those things where I mean, he doesn't believe that it is a thing. Yeah, he doesn't believe the demons actually after. But you know, he hey, cares about. This is her a very. Enough. I'll put it to you this way: this is a very sex positive horror movie, right? Oh, totally. It does not shame you for going out and having sex. Yes, nor uh, should it, and it doesn't. So you heard though, it. You heard it here first. The do we like movies guys say go out and fuck guys. <laughs> well, the other, the thing is, it doesn't like the the characters in the movie objectify Jay, 
but the movie never objectifies her. Nah. Like, it shows her wearing, like, very, quote-unquote, unsexy underwear all the time. She's always in granny panties. <laughs> like, she's dressed in, like, you know, like, nightwear and stuff like that. Like, it is, this movie does not sexualize her in any way. And it's just even like it's a different approach to how you treat your final girl right. or your exactly. or your heroine, you know. It's definitely not sexualized violence, which yeah. is different from other slasher movies. And right? that's where the modern aspect of it comes in. Yeah. Um, so eventually, a couple of days pass. Uh, Jay goes back home, and she actually sees uh, in the middle of the night. She sees Greg walking towards his own house <laughs> in like a onesie. Yeah, in like a like... weird onesie, and ends up breaking into his own house, and she realizes it's the it's the it's the it right. It's yeah. the demon. It's so, it. <laughs> so she goes in and tries. So she runs across the street and tries to tell Greg about it, and she ends up breaking into the house. You know, same way the demon got in. And when she gets up to his room, she's trying to tell Greg, don't open the door. At this point, the entity takes the form of Greg's mom. With her titties out. And then when he opens the door, he's like, what the fuck do you want, mom? He's like listening to fucking Alice in Chains or some shit. I don't know. (laughs) And she like jumps his bones, literally. And just jumps on top of him. And when... Jay goes and checks on him. She's, like, fucking him to yeah, death? Yeah, she's, like, riding him until he dies. Dude, she's, like, riding him fucking cowgirl style. Like frightening. And, and it's not sexy at all. Like, it's just, like... No, it's horrifying. It's, like, take it, bitch. No, I'm <laughs> But, yeah, she, like, absorbs him through her vagina slash penis slash sex organ. Yeah. And it was, like... Yeah, so that's why I was thinking this might be a succubus, or an incubus, or a suck incubus, because fuck your gender identities, man. Yeah. People are people. It's like if Shang Tsung like, had a badge and just like absorbed your, absorb your soul through your dick. Just start throwing vag at everybody instead of fireballs. This is a gross conversation. This, mo- this is a gross movie. Like. Alright, well let's move on from this scene. Uh, so from here, this is where Jay realizes that this thing's gonna start following her again. So she goes and fucks more guys. That's the funny thing. It's like, this is, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, the movie never explicitly tells you that she went to the beach and just had sex with these random guys on a boat. But it implies sex, it. But she had sex with these random guys on a boat, right? That's what I took it as, because yeah. it's like, what did she, I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. What else would she have done? Right. Would she have just gone in, like, into the water? Well, simultaneously, while all of this has been happening, things start getting real weird with her and Paul, because Paul basically kind of, like, gets angry at, not angry, but gets upset at the fact that she has essentially chosen Greg over him. He's like, I would have fucked you. Because he wants to get laid. Yeah, but also he wants to protect her. And protecting I don't her know means... If he's, I don't know if he's a virgin, but he feels like a virgin. <laughs> this movie makes him feel like a virgin. If he's going to protect her, he can at least do it with his penis. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm getting that vibe where he's a little bit desperate. And then sometimes it's like... Where my hug at? And I'm just like, no, stop. Yeah, all the men in this movie are very problematic. <laughs> all the men in the movie are annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, except for the end, Paul Paul becomes very like you know he actually really steps up in a huge way. And he, if this movie does have a hero, he definitely fills that role for a little bit. Um, but yeah, so. To me, when Jay, going back to that whole having sex with the dudes, right? Going onto the boat. So if she had sex with guys, which makes perfect sense, she would have done it to buy time. 
Right. So, does that mean those guys were killed? Yes. Oh, that's kind of fucked up now. Well, yeah. That's that means just, she would have left the reason, to die. It's the reason why you don't like Jeff, right? Because Jeff has obviously like had sex with various women and has left them to die, and this thing keeps coming back to them. So now Jay, now Jay has started thing. doing that. And it's really, unfortunately, sex, instead of becoming something that's pleasurable, enjoyable for procreation, whatever, all the things that sex is supposed to be, it's essentially a survival thing that you have to do now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, you know, she goes back home and she comes up with this plan. This very fucking 80s Goonies plan. I love this. <laughs> to fight back against it. So they go into the, they go into like the, the school. Yes. The, they go so, into the school so before pool. we get into this, this is where they're driving through this, this dilapidated like neighborhood in the city of Detroit with all these like completely desolate buildings and one of the things that i had heard in the original podcast that i listened to when this movie first came out years ago was when one of the hosts you know i just don't want to say because i don't want to feel like i'm ripping off someone else's material but one of the hosts had 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 mentioned you know how come someone doesn't just get in an airplane and fly away and just get really far away from that and I think one of the reasons why that doesn't work or why that isn't something that you think about very much is because these characters, like, their situation, it feels hopeless. Very these neighborhoods so, yeah. that they're in, there is no hope for them. Like, they, they essentially live, like, down the street from these other houses that have no one that lives inside of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the house that Jay had met the... You know, later Jeff, you know, but first was Hugh, like, was essentially like a trap house. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) pretty much. porno magazines and tissues everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder what those tissues are for. (laughs) Yeah, who knows. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's... In couple the fact that there are high school and college age kids... I'm. I was broke around that time. Right. Kind of adding to the whole hopelessness. Right. That's honestly probably when you feel your most hopeless. <laughs> well, they're in, is, an, they're in an old car too. They're driving down these streets. What I love down about these it is that the music. This is where the music really just like sets it off. Mm-hmm. And as they're like walking with like, <laughs> with those rolling like uh, suitcases. That's when uh, oh, with all the with <laughs> yeah. all their fucking electrical equipment. Yeah. yeah, and then that's when Yada mentions that her parents said that they, that they couldn't go, like that they were never allowed to go on the other side of Eight Mile when they were kids. Which you know, again, this is the first movie where I've seen Eight Mile since Eight Mile. Get it? Stop it! Oh, fuck you! Then. <laughs> You're hitting me. <laughs> so they're at the pool and they set up this trap to have a bunch of electronics all around the pool area, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have Jay. In the pool, and they want to trick it and the it demon into falling into the pool like a fucking dumb idiot without murdering Jay. Without murdering Jay, and then immediately throw a bunch of electronics <laughs> into the. This is the kind of plan I would have come up with at ten years old. Yeah, this is okay. This is the part of the movie where it gets a little bit ridiculous <laughs> because that's not what happens at all. They wait for it to show up. And at this point, to the viewer, it just looks like a bearded man in a tank top. Kind of dressed like my dad after a bender. (laughs) And instead of jumping into the pool, he actually stops and he starts picking up the appliances and starts chucking them across the fucking 
fucking room at Jay and at her friends. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, gets knocked out at one point yeah, right, by she a gets, flying object. Yeah, she gets hit by, like, a fucking, like, iron and <laughs> gets knocked out. And then he picks up, like, a CRT a CR TV with one hand and just, like, fucking just chucks it in there, too. So they start panicking because they, their their plan kind of falls apart. Oh my god, our shitty plan isn't working. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> even though the even though uh, that one douchebag told us, "Hey, this monster isn't stupid," like we like don't don't fucking treat it that way. It it still outsmarted us somehow. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. I was so that this part. I'm like all oh, these fucking idiots. <laughs> So, it was at that point that Jay actually realized the form the monster decided to take this time was actually that of her father. And it becomes obvious to the... Well, you don't really see... through Again, the movie, the parents are non-existent throughout this movie, even though there's like a brief scene of like Jay getting her back rubbed by her mother. The only reason we know it's her dad is because of the family picture after this scene. Yes. So, the entire time, like, yeah, you have no idea who this guy is. So, one of the kids comes up with this idea of... I think it's Paul. He just starts shooting... He, he tells Jay to call out where the monster is and he'll try to shoot it. So, she's like, he's right there! And she's just pointing at nothing to Jay. I mean, to Jay, to uh, Paul. So, he lines up a shot and misses the monster completely and shoots Yada on accident. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, how can this get any worse? <laughs> Yeah, it really, this this final confrontation, it's kind of an epic fail. It falls apart in the best way, but honestly, I really like that they let the plan fall apart. Like, it's, yes. because it, it lends itself to the whole hopelessness of the situation. Right. These kids finally come up with an amazing plan that they think they can finally kill the monster, and then they fuck it up immediately. <laughs> And uh, so there is one point where where it does get into the pool with Jay and is trying to drag her down, and once she's finally able to kind of free herself, that's when the that's when it gets shot, and you get that awesome shot in the pool where like there's where the pool just starts turning red. Yeah, with blood and you going can't everywhere. see him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. They also have that really cool shot where, and again, I think we talked about this in. Um, when we were talking about Paranormal Activity, when we referenced part three, I think, mm-hmm. where I think it's Kelly that throws the sheet over it, the the, the demon. Yep. And you all you can do is see the outline of what the monster is supposed to look like, but it gives Paul just enough an opening, just to enough an opening it. to come up and shoot him yeah. the first time. And it was really cool. Like, yeah, that whole confrontation was cool. They managed to it's get It's like, Jay you should have done that in the first place. You fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so they managed to, they managed to escape... Um, you know, and Jay tells them that the monster's kid, the monster's dead, right? Yeah. So later that night, Jay and Paul meet up and they fuck. <laughs> so they, so finally, Paul gets to be a hero. Rock on, man. <laughs> so he they, he goes on and has sex with her, and then later that day he leaves, or I think the next day he leaves, yeah. and he actually drives down to like. One of the seedier parts. Yes. Where he meets with a... Couple of prostitutes. Lady of the night. Yes. Sex worker. Sex workers. You fuck. Sorry. <laughs> you fuck. I'm such a pig. Yeah, don't be a sex worker exclusionary asshole. Alright, God. Sex so, worker. And leaving you to assume that he, ha- he has sex with one of them. 
who these poor women have basically just been set up to be murdered by this monster or to Paul's pass a piece the, of shit or to pass the monster along maybe they're successful sex workers do you ever think of that that's true so who knows i mean i don't know they could just die so yeah <laughs> so the finally paul goes back to jay and the movie ends well before it ends they 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 see yada in the hospital and she tells them like she tells them, like, she's like reading classic literature off of some sort of Kindle device that's inside of like a, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like those compact mirrors that yeah. like women wear mm-hmm. use when they're doing their makeup, but it, for some reason it's a Kindle. But she's like reading off this uh, this passage about life and death, right? Yeah. And eventually. You know, we get that awesome shot of Jay and Paul walking, holding hands. Yes. Just walking down the street, and the camera pans following them. And in the distance, you see somebody walking towards them, slowly. And then it fades to black. Just fades to black. the title of the movie, and that's it. Completely leaving it up to you whether you think that's the monster or not. And that's the film. Perfectly fantastic ending. Eh, it's an alright ending. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone knows my answer to this. Javi, do you like It Follows? You know what? Even though I've been shitting on it every turn, I really do like this movie. Like I said, the problems I had were mostly in the beginning of the film. But towards the end, it really stops. It stops doing those. Stops doing all those overproduced cuts that I guess I was having a problem with. It starts to. It stops doing all those super long and wide shots. And it really gets down to the to the meat of it, telling the story. And I'm and you know I like that. So it was one of those things where I, it's a movie I started disliking, but at the end was able to find enough to really like. And also, honestly, I really do appreciate the subject matter because while you do think this movie is about STDs, STDs sexual yeah. assault. Well, you think it's just about that. It's about a lot more than that. You know, it's about, like, the sexual revolution. It's about pe- these young folks owning their sexuality. It's about life and death. There's actually a really cool quote Mitchell had about the movie that I wanted to read um, as kind of a response. Um, in reference to it, to the monster, right? He says, I'm not personally that interested in when it or where it comes from. To me, it's dream logic in the sense that they're in a nightmare. And when you're in a nightmare, there's no solving the nightmare. If you try to solve it, um, Mitchell said that while Jay opens herself up to danger through sex, sex is also the one way she can free herself from that danger. We're all here for a limited amount of time, and we can't escape our uh, mortality. But love and sex are two ways in which we can at least temporarily push death away. And that really stood out to me, because honestly, this whole movie is about staving off the inevitable. Yes. It's not necessarily that it is an STD, or it's that it is something terrible. It's something natural. No, it is, it is, it is, again, it is inevitable. It's going to come. It's Thanos. <laughs> yeah, it's going to come all right. <laughs> um, I always wonder, though, is there certain rules to how you pass on the demon? Like, does it have to be raw? I, I, they never get into it. They never talk they about... They never get that far into they it. They never they, talk about whether condoms have to be involved, what kind of sex people are having. Does yes. that have an effect? Who knows, right? But, you know, it was really interesting in that, you know, you take one... You have the juxtaposition of something that's inevitable and 
something we're afraid of, the finality of death, but the way, you know, we have that distraction. Not The just... only rule that kind of gets implied uh, from going into Jeff's abandoned depart- uh, home, you know, the abandoned home that he was coming out of when he got on the date with, uh, with Jay. Yeah. Uh, all the Playboy magazines and tissues essentially tells you that you cannot get rid of it by masturbating and ejaculating. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? I, just what I was gonna mention was just the the juxtaposition of that fear of death while trying to find that like that joy in 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 love, you know. So I thought in that sense, I really loved the way they portrayed that the the way they were able to get that theme across. Uh, what yeah, about you? Obviously, <laughs> well, obviously, I've been sucking this movie's dick the entire time. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you sucked it so hard, I won't be surprised if you get followed by a fucking <laughs> sex demon. Yeah, so this movie, again, like I said, it was it, it is my favorite horror movie of the 2010s. To me, it is the movie that kind of mainstreamed this new, this new part of... Okay, so... You know, when we were talking about Paranormal Activity last, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Paranormal Activity to me was, there was like this height of horror movies where you were getting all these like really crazy, awesome, like studio, like, you know, these these interesting studio horror movies. And then right after Paranormal Activity goes away and Conjuring kind of dies down for a little bit, it felt like there was this like weird break in time from 2013 to 2015, I guess. Where I didn't really feel like anything, like where where horror kind of looked like it was going away a little bit. And I, you know, like, or you were kind of at the point where you were like, okay, well, what's the next thing in horror going to be Well, the next thing became mumble gore, right? Where it was like that weird, like super hipstery, like a low budget movie. But then it was like, yeah, yes. that, that only took you so because, far, though. Right, like, because Ty West, right? Yes, I again, I love Ty West. I love VHS. I love that found footage, mumble, mumble gore, like kind of like era that we were in. But at the same time, it felt like it felt like horror was going underground, mm-hmm. and it didn't really feel like anything was going to kind of bring it back up again, right? Like the decade before, we had spent the entire time watching Saw movies, uh, watching Hostel, watching. And then we started watching the 80s slasher remakes. Yep. Halloween, Nightmare Texas on Elm Street, Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, man, it's like, this is starting to feel a little stale. You know, I really want to see where, where we're going to go from here. Then we get House of the Devil. House of the Devil, yeah, 09. But I mean, like, just in particular, this movie, mm-hmm. The Babadook. Um, oh, these are the movies that I like to call Scary Parables or Scarables. The, well, so this is where my whole joke of where the monster is a stand-in for something else. But yeah, The Babadook comes out in 2014. It's a movie that makes you feel very uncomfortable, but at the same time The Witch comes you. out in 2015. The Witch comes out in 2015. about, like, you know, about women's liberation. Uh, the, and then this movie comes out, which is the same thing, sexual liberation. And, and these whatnot. movies are fantastic. Like, these movies are very well shot. They're very well created. Their message is not ham-fisted while still being genuinely scary, you know? And it's just excellent. This, again, this movie is great. It reminds me a lot of Halloween. It starts off with these wide, sprawling shots. Because... You know, they interviewed Carpenter, and, and one of the things he talked about is how he wanted everything to feel big when the movie started, and then by the time you got to the end of the movie, it just gradually gets smaller and smaller and smaller, until at the climax of the movie, you're essentially inside a closet with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what this movie was like, where it starts off with this really big, sprawling shots and this really big story idea, and the movie progressively gets 
smaller and smaller and smaller until you're just following Paul and Jay and just Jay. And it's just fantastic. Like, I just, I cannot say enough about it. It is, it is so, in terms of style, like, I don't know when we're going to get another movie that, like, that I love as much as this. And I think one of the reasons why I really love John Carpenter's score in Halloween 2018 is there's the scene where, where Michael Myers is chasing, you know, Laurie Strode's granddaughter. And in that one, like, I, in, John Carpenter came up with a new, like, you know, with, with a new theme that I swear to God, it sounds like something that would have came out of It Follows to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> it's it a very, just... yeah, that very synthy, like, the very synthy sounding. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, totally. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, it's just, but it's just perfect. Um, I love that this movie exists. I'm going to continue to watch it. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to watch it more often than I have. I didn't realize how much I really appreciated and loved this film until I watched it for this review. And I'm going to watch it just as much as I need to, which is maybe once every five years. <laughs> uh, so we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Uh, we have one more episode left in the month of October, and it's a big one in that it's, to me, probably... It's fucking four hours long. <laughs> it's only two hours long. Oh, God. But it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's probably con- still considered the scariest movie of all time, The Exorcist. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Especially since, you know, we didn't start our review of this series with The Exorcist. We started it with The Exorcist 2. <laughs> So, well, hopefully that won't too much of that won't bleed into this movie. No, and I think and I and I unfortunately we didn't pick bad horror movies for the month of October, so we are gonna have to balance this out next year. Or you know when we do more horror movies, we are gonna have to start doing more Exorcist two level bad horror movies oh, at some point. <laughs> oh my god! But anyway, uh, you know we'll talk to you guys next time. Please continue to interact with us on our Instagram page. Uh, send us reviews on iTunes. Uh, continue downloading the show on your platform of choice. And try to spread the word to make sure that we get a broader audience. Yeah, please. Tell folks. <laughs> so, uh, again, we'll talk to you guys next time. I'm Angel. And I'm Avi. Later, turds. <laughs>